0: Coming up today, another exclusive interview with a motorsport leader. Well, Bob Bell has enjoyed a stellar career as a top engineer in Formula One with McLaren, Benetton, Jordan, Renault and Mercedes. He was technical director at Renault during the Alonso title winning years, then team principal after the departure of Flavio Briatore. And more recently, he was one of the architects of the current Mercedes F1 juggernaut. In the latest Hashtag Thinking Forward interview with the sports leaders and influential thinkers, Bob explains to our own James Allen the grid for good mission. He explains why he believes F1 is about to enter a golden age and looks ahead to a time when F1 and Formula E could merge. Enjoy today's interview.
2: Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining us on this Hashtag uh, Thinking Forward series. Um, You've had an unbelievable career uh, as a top engineer in Formula One with McLaren, Benetton, Jordan, Renault, Mercedes. You were the technical director at Renault during the Alonso title-winning years. Some great cars, great drivers in your career. You've even been a team principal with Renault for a while. But tell us how the, the Grid for Good initiative came about.
1: So I uh, I turned 60 a couple of years ago and, and I've always promised myself that when I, I reached that point um, I would try and step back from racing. Uh, and and do something different Um, for personal reasons it's it's I didn't want to end up uh, being a one-trick pony but also perhaps to try and do something for society and I think motorsport does a lot for society so I've no issue with that and I'm proud of what it does but I thought for me personally to do something a little bit more direct would be good so um, at the end of uh, 2019 uh, sorry at the start of 2019 uh, myself and a couple of colleagues from F1 started Grid for Good uh, with the idea that we could just keep it fairly small and quiet in the background uh, and take on projects where we might be able to act as an intermediary between problems in the not for profit sector uh, and hook them up with potential pro bono uh, or low cost solution providers from the world of, of motorsport and, and covering all bases really that motorsport indulges itself in from pure technical issues through to marketing, PR, commercial. Uh, there's so much expertise that in motorsport to be able to make the whole thing operate that um, we didn't really necessarily draw any boundaries around what we'd offer. Uh, and We got off to a reasonable start in, in 2019. Uh, we've helped a couple of UK charities, reasonably well known, revamp all their PR and marketing, uh, a couple of F1 uh, PR agencies. Uh, did that uh, for us for, for no fee uh, and we've got an F1 team or well, we started an F1 team re-engineering an electric wheelchair for a uh, challenge to raise awareness for electric wheelchair users on the roads so that's still ongoing uh, and then of course the COVID crisis came on at the start of this year and, and the whole of the pit lane bandied together to offer their support to, to government Um, to help with some of the technical challenges around that. Grid for Good were a part of that through the Project Pit Lane initiative. And it sort of proved the concept really uh, uh, in a way that I could never have hoped for. Um, So that's sort of where we are today and and we continue. We have uh, a few legacy medical related COVID-19 projects on the go uh, and, and always on the lookout for new ones.
2: Well I was going to ask you about about the active projects that you 've got on the go, but, but you 've mentioned the, the project Pip lane, and, and obviously the, we saw that um, amazing reaction from from Formula One teams. I think what was so striking about it was was not just the innovation but it was the speed of reaction wasn 't it the fact that Normal processes would take a long, long time. We were hearing on the news, you know, many months to develop some of these uh, CPAP machines and, and mm. respirators and things like that. But mm. Formula One was able to to bring its its speed of reaction. What what stood out for you about that episode?
1: I think you've hit the nail absolutely on the head. It, it's the speed of reaction, and I think if I think about what mode of sport could bring to society. It's possibly less about the details of the technology or the services it can provide because you know, the technology we use is not that advanced relative to what's flying over our heads or in space or underwater or wherever. Some incredible technology in the world today, uh, even what you wear on your wrist. But what F1 does seem to be able to bring on motorsport in general is this can-do attitude, which is beginning to diminish in the world the world is becoming more and more complex, more and more bureaucratic, more and more difficult to operate in, and for good reason, not being critical. Uh, But F1 can really bring a can-do attitude and I think the whole COVID uh, situation and the the motorsport community's reaction and assistance in it was taking an engineering challenge and and turning around a solution in in record-breaking time. It wasn't the technology that was important it was the fact that we were able to do it in the time that we did uh, and there are lots of examples uh, not just the ventilators and things that the project that name is involved in but uh, there were projects in France Renault Sport in France did similar things uh, Ferrari did stuff in, in Italy uh, everybody reacted in one way or another and I think in all cases it was just the fact that you give us a challenge we'll find a solution with the tools we've got faster than anybody else because that's what we're paid to do.
2: (laughs) You've been arguing for this for some time haven't you I mean it's great that you've Mm. put your money where your mouth is and and done this uh, Mm. but but you've long believed that the sort of the transfer of technology and of know-how from motorsport to, to wider society is is incredibly relevant and a lot of people don't realize mm. that things like seatbelts and and disc brakes and deformable crashes yeah. so many things that are in everyday life actually originated in motorsport and um, so you must feel pretty gratified that that's actually being recognized now
1: yeah I, I'm really proud of the whole industry for, for that uh, and again uh in there are examples and you've mentioned some where there are specific pieces of technology that have transferred to broader society for for the greater good but i think one of the things that goes under the radar that uh, motorsport particularly f1 brings is the techniques and the methodologies that are used and again this is all related to doing stuff quickly so we make extensive use of computational fluid dynamics for example in f1 to do Design the aerodynamics of the cars. And um, we use exactly the same software packages as as normal industry, Um, but we uh, really squeeze those packages and our use of them to make it as efficient as we possibly can the process of designing something as efficient as we can. And those techniques and methodologies do filter out into the broader world. Um, So, in a couple of ways, so for example, you, you may or may not recall that that Renault, this is just by way of example, has a very good technical partnership with Boeing, and we, we, we tackle some problems of mutual technical interest. And one of the things that always uh, filters to the top of those lists of things to do together are to do with methodology, how to use CFD better, or computer-aided design in in some other form better rather than developing a specific piece of technology and again in the COVID crisis this was was demonstrated with our use of computational fluid dynamics to analyze um, particle aerosol motion um, from patients who are being treated in hospital when they cough for example if they're having uh intubation procedures carried out on them where do the aerosol particles go how long does it take to evacuate a room these are really really challenging problems to analyze Uh, It can only be done using computational fluid dynamics and we have particular expertise in doing that quickly and getting believable answers so it's as much about how we use our tools and the methodologies and the working practices and the processes, as it is about uh, specific um, pieces of technology or gadgets.
2: Broadening the the conversation the discussion out a bit from there, I mean, we've we've also seen very strongly this year that a shift towards purpose driven motorsport. The idea that you know, I think it's true of a lot of sports, but certainly with motorsport, that that just being an entertainment platform isn't really going to be enough going mm. forward, and Obviously, there's been the sustainability push that was going on before COVID, same with yeah. diversity and accessibility. But we've, we've seen all of those things accelerated. And of course, more recently, the social justice piece that's, that's yeah. becoming bigger and bigger in, in, in the sport. It's, it's been quite a step change. Um, what do you make of, of what's happened in 2020 in that sense?
1: It has been a step changer. I mean, I was trying to think back to when I first heard the phrase corporate social responsibility in, in my world, and it's probably less than five years. couldn't put a date on it, but that wouldn't surprise me. And now it's a really big thing, particularly for the big, uh, organizations that own Formula One teams, like Renault or Fiat or Mercedes. Um, Corporate social responsibility is a big, big thing for them now, and uh, they all have uh, CSR policies uh, that they need to grow and develop. Uh, these organisations need to become much more uh, cognizant of the social issues in the world and that filters its way down to their racing teams. Um, and it's not just, uh, of course, the big corporates that have that. Lots of uh, smaller organisations in the world of motorsport that are perhaps privately owned. Um, I guess people like Extract, for example, um, they've got very strong sense of social responsibility and of their own CSR policies and so on. So it, It's sort of coming down from the top and also coming from grassroot level. But it is a step change and it's becoming really important because society is changing. The younger generation, the fans that we're trying to capture and keep on board, they demand something different of us than what their predecessors did. And I think if we don't acknowledge that and react to it, um, we'll lose them. The sport will wither in some way. Um, so that is important, uh, it is being recognised and I think F1 under the new leadership uh, of Liberty with Ross and his team and Chase uh, are doing everything they can to make sure that Formula 1 is on top of that but but that's just one element of motorsport in general and it, it, we're seeing it everywhere. Um, but it, it's really important, and it, it has to be recognised and it has to be dealt with and it, it's not just um, environmental issues which is the obvious one for motorsport to be concerned itself with um, as you say it's a lot to do with inclusivity uh, things like stem topics all of this diversity uh, equality fairness all of this is absolutely part and parcel of it as well and I think Formula One and, and motorsport in general has always had a good record in that regard not an obvious one in as much as people would say well it's always been a male white male dominated sport that's true but that's not because we've wanted it to be that way it's because that's the way society in general has tended to evolve with with technology based uh, topics and, and so on um you only have to look at the inequality for example in in the world of physics or uh, conductors of, of orchestras it's it's always dominated by white males uh, i don't think formula one's any different in that way but i think from my experience in formula one i've never really seen any examples where there's been positive uh, or, or you know clear discrimination um it's always been inclusive it's it's it is the um the, the ultimate um competitive environment and, and you survive in it by being the best at your job doesn't matter what your background is if you're better at it than somebody else will will have you uh, but that isn't necessarily apparent from the outside and, and that's something we need to change
2: it's interesting you say that Bob because I did some uh, I did some work at uh, behind the scenes with Mercedes last year and met some of the young engineers that are there and, and mm-hmm. several of them, or quite a lot of them were female. And yeah. um, I got the impression that, uh, just generally as well, looking across the paddock, quite a number of the senior race strategists now on Formula mm-hmm. One team uh, teams, and some of the most effective uh, mm. are female. Um, yeah. And, and, and definitely that diversity in that sense is increasing. I mean, obviously you as, a, as someone who pays very close attention to this, how do you feel that, that, that there's, you know, from different ethnic backgrounds and, and more female participation, do you sense that that is growing uh, within the sport? The, 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 the faces on the pit wall five, 10 years from now will be quite different in the, in the more mm. senior positions.
1: Oh absolutely and it's, it's to be welcome but I think the problem starts earlier in society than the point where it reaches uh, motorsport. I, I think there is a problem that starts from the first days of schooling. Uh, I, I think that there is absolutely a need in society to interest a much bigger sector of society in becoming engineers, scientists um, and, and that's um, ethnic diversity as, as well as sex um, and I think until society is able to start building a better culture of um, equal opportunity and equal interest in these topics uh, the, the sort of the, the end result where you finish your education and you get a job you end up in motorsport that, that will always appear as if it's a It's not doing enough. I think we need to work at all levels, from grassroots, uh, from primary school, right away up. We need to start engendering a culture of interest in subjects that have traditionally been considered sort of white male territory, the sciences and and so on. Uh, And an F1 and motorsport can do its bit, but we need to see change further down the, the scale as well
2: you mentioned ross and chase and and the direction that uh, liberty are taking formula one clearly this year has been a, an important year getting the concord agreement signed albeit just for five years the budget yeah. cap and the sort of leveling up the sort of small leveling up agenda measures which i never thought i would see mm-hmm. in formula one it's brought a much needed stability but I wonder with all your experience and your you know with your crystal ball, do you think the sport will actually be able to capitalize on that and be the best version of f one that it can be in the future
1: i think absolutely it can. i i think you know f one's always good you, you look back at its history and you can't really point a finger and you think that was that was bad that wasn't good you know um I think what we've now got and what we will evolve to will be the best it's it's been. Uh, I think it's the direction it's going in with uh, genuine attempts to take cost out. It's absolutely crucial. You cannot justify the budgets involved in, in going F1 racing with the rest of society. It just doesn't stack up and that's not sustainable. Um, so that's really important. And we need to level the playing field and that won't happen by itself. It'll only happen by strong governance. And that's what we have uh, with uh, Liberty, uh, ownership of F1 at the moment and what we have within within the FIA under Jean. Um, so I think it is going in the right direction. I don't think it will diminish uh, the sporting spectacle in any way. I think it'll still be great racing. We'll still have great champions, great drivers. <laughs> And of course, Formula One isn't just about what happens on the track. Increasingly, what happens off the track is is of great interest to the public and the fans. You know, the success of the Netflix series, Drive to Survive, and you know all of these things. The the increase in social media, people want more than just the racing on a Sunday afternoon. And there will always be purists who feel that isn't what they want, but they are becoming an increasing minority. And I think to be sustainable, Formula One has to change and reflect the wants and need of a potential fan base otherwise it'll it'll just wither. Uh, and that's not just stuff as mentioned, like um, what happens off the track but I think it also touches on this whole issue of where does the future of the sport lie technically um, you know we do have this challenge ahead of us that Formula One is essentially a hybrid formula at the minute but dominated by uh, internal combustion engine technology um, we have Formula E running in parallel which is entirely electric, um, you know, that dichotomy has to be resolved at some point, uh, you know, we, we, we need to function to, to both of those routes for the future. But no, I'm, I'm very optimistic about Formula One. Uh, I think it's in good, safe hands and uh, the prospects are good.
2: It's interesting you bring that topic up because that's one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about. Um, obviously, w- w- what we're seeing is, Formula 1 and Formula E the budgets are kind of converging towards each other a bit aren't they Formula E's coming mm-hmm. up a bit and Formula 1's mm-hmm. coming down a bit mm-hmm. uh, as you say at some point in the future they're going to have to converge but obviously Formula E's got the exclusive sort of license on the electric mobility side but if we if we look down the track sort of 15 20 years from now and, and imagine mm-hmm. what motorsport would be do mm-hmm. you do you see it as being sort of electric or hydrogen powered sort of prototype cars on the single seater and the Le Mans type level and Mm. then kind of customer racing and sort of a place for the Nascars and the touring cars of this world in there at all and what do you think the 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 motorsport you know spectrum will look like
1: yeah I think ultimately it will become uh, uh, very much um, CO2 zero um, at the big prestigious end of the market Um, Formula One, Formula E will resolve their differences and we'll probably end up with one championship. Whatever that looks like. Um, same for Le, Le Mans and, and so on. Uh, all of these formulas will head towards all electric or uh, hydrogen powered or whatever comes our way. Um, I think there'll still be a place in the hearts and minds of many people for uh, racing the harks back to a different era uh, the people interested in that will probably become more and more in the minority but i think we shouldn't turn our back on our heritage either we need to look to the future we need to build uh, a sustainable future for society but i think you can do yourself a lot of harm I'm uh, in the danger of getting on a soapbox here but you can do yourself a lot of harm in society if you turn your back on the past uh, you will Not learn the lessons of the past. You will neglect your heritage. You won't learn from history. All these things, and I think it's important that we recognise our heritage and that there's still a place, albeit at a very small scale and at such a small scale, in global terms that it really has no negative impact on, you know, on the environment. For all of this, I suppose the best analogy is uh, in the world of aviation. Um, You know, there is. Great heritage and great love of vintage aircraft. You know, nobody like, more, likes to see uh, anything more than you know a Spitfire flying overhead and the sound of a Merlin engine, uh, because it's got such historical connotations. It means so much to us. And I think there are a lot of elements of racing where it'll still be important to have, particularly grassroots, to have you know formulas that are perhaps still slightly out of date, but it's important to have that heritage. And I think the big picture stuff and sustainability stuff can all be done by the big categories up towards the top. Um, not just, And not just because they reduce their own environmental footprint. The, the actual environmental footprint of running uh, 20 race cars around a track for two hours on Sunday off is completely negligible. Um, but where Formula One and the big categories make a difference is leading the charge on uh, technologies, uh, demonstrating technologies that will be applicable across the globe. But that's where the real difference of Formula One comes. It's not what we actually do ourselves on a Sunday afternoon, that's that's trivial. Uh, So I think for me personally, it's using Motorsport F1 perhaps in particular as a vehicle to promote technologies, to help develop technologies as fast as possible and to set an example to the rest of the world.
2: It's interesting, obviously, you know, a lot of your career, you worked for manufacturer-backed teams, and so you know better than anybody the reasons why manufacturers go racing. You mentioned Mm. earlier on that you think, you know, one of the key boxes they're going to need to tick in the future is csr you know a sense of purpose along Mm. with marketing benefit that they get the return on investment and the the technology but obviously they're undergoing not only a tough time as a result of the the lockdown um although we are seeing some car sales uh, now definitely starting Mm. up again but just generally that whole pivot of their of their entire industry what's your sense of the appetite of manufacturers for, for motorsport and and do you feel that it's the level of investment um, is is going to be reduced, or, and th- and that they perhaps need to focus just on one or two particular series that have a real sort of point of differentiation.
1: Yeah, I, I think the basics have changed change for a while. They want they want value. They want to increase brand awareness. They want to increase product sales through F one, um, and there are there are obviously players in Formula One, um, that have no sporting heritage of their own. So it is all about increasing sales and brand awareness, all these things. And that will become increasingly important uh, for them. The, the days where you could woo a CEO into writing a large check to put the company's name on the side of the car, more, more, almost more as an egotistical exercise has long gone. Um, so they've got to get real value for money now. Um, but some of them, genuinely have a sporting heritage, Renault, Mercedes, Fiat, Ferrari, uh, I suppose are the best examples in f one. Uh, they have a genuine heritage they want to uphold, they want to develop uh, because it's part of the culture, part of the DNA. it's important to them. Um, so I don't think that will disappear for some time and and I think many of them want to be able to maintain that, but at the same time be seen to be in step with the rest of society. that's why we're seeing so many of the major manufacturers in the automotive sector pouring into Formula A because it's an opportunity to go racing and promote their heritage, but at the same time, be environmentally conscious.
2: And as well as um, what you're doing now with Grid for Good, I understand you're also a member of the FIA research group and that's involved in, in, I think, taking safety lessons from motorsport and applying them in the outside world. Mm. How does that how does that uh, fit with your Good for Good, and, and and what sort of what sort of activities yeah. you got to there? So um,
1: I contacted the FIA uh, about a year ago,
2: um, and
1: and said, look, I've set up grid for Good. Um, I know that the FIA is deeply involved, deeply concerned about uh, global road safety, uh, and and obviously. the the figures when you look at it are simply staggering even compared to the COVID-19 crisis. You know, 1.3 million um, people are killed every year on the roads globally, 50 million people are injured. Those are hideous statistics and they're stable. There's not much sign of of dropping that. So I thought an obvious avenue for, for me for Grid for Good was to try and help there where we could Uh, with the FIA and what they're trying to do Uh, and and I got very uh, strong support from them uh, and and they invited me to join a safety research group which you've just mentioned and also act in an advisory capacity for a high level panel for road safety which is part of the UN's decade of um, road safety initiative so I've been working uh, through Good for Good um volunteer my services through good for good to both of those causes. Uh, specifically the one you mentioned, the, the safety research group, um, I think its roots go back to undertaking fundamental research to try and make motorsport safer. So historically we'd have seen things like the Hams device. Uh, more laterally, the halo device, uh, biometric gloves, cockpit padding, all of the things that we now take for granted all have their roots in, in some element of the FIA's history in, in safety equipment development. Um, but I think now they, they want to expand that. The FIA is putting a lot more emphasis now on its mobility side which is only half of what's there. Most of us in motorsport only ever think about them as being associated with motorsport. But of course, they have a huge global footprint of mobility clubs, which is really important. Uh, And I think they want to use the Safety Research Group now as a means by which motorsport technology can also be um, made available to the broader mobility sector. Uh, and this is a very recent thing. I think that shift is, uh, has always had some el- small elements, but it's, it's really taking that direction now. Um, and the FIA is, is also interested in generating revenue to support f- the f- their foundation and their other funds to support innovative development, to tackle mobility uh, issues as it relates to safety. Uh, and, um, and efficiency and sustainability uh, and so on. So I, I, it fits absolutely with the sort of ethos of Grid for Good, and I'm, I'm very happy to help them where I'm qualified to do so.
2: Fantastic. Well, listen, Bob, I really appreciate you taking the time today to, to speak to us, and thank you from, very much for sharing your, uh, your thoughts. It's great to get uh, your insights on the way you think that the sport is, is going to develop, and, and the very best of luck to you with, uh, with the Grid for Good initiative.
1: Thank you, James. It's been a real pleasure.
0: This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at Shopify.com slash free twenty-two. Shopify.com slash free twenty-two. Shopify.com slash free twenty-two. Internet connection required, not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.